welcome to this July 13th edition of the Ag Market Network of our monthly cotton teleconference. My name is Pat McClatchy. Our program today, as always, is sponsored by FiberMax and Stoneville and also Cotton Incorporated. Uh, our lead speaker today is Dr. John Robinson from Texas. Uh, he will be joining our cotton panel of Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Kip Butts, and Gerald Nieper. Uh, John, thanks for leading us today and giving us your thoughts on the cotton market. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Good morning to everybody. So thinking about the July WASI report came out Friday. Um, to me, there weren't a lot of surprises in this report, and I would characterize its, uh, its uh, impact, fundamental impact as uh, helpful in terms of the monthly adjustment, but still still really bearish in terms of the resulting um, stock levels. So let's get into that and just touching on the old crop situation briefly. Um, if we review just a little bit, you know, we've seen a whole bunch of changes in the old crop balance sheet. If you think about projected world consumption uh, in June, uh, it was 14 and a half million fewer bales compared to compared to March. There's been a you know tremendous downshifting as a result of the of the recessionary impacts of the pandemic. And as as consumption dropped, world ending stocks were correspondingly rising and rising. Well we didn't see any of that in really or much of that in the July report in contrast. We really only saw minor adjustments to most of the old crop balance sheet categories, at least in the world. And that's not really surprising because we're, you know, the end is in sight of of this uh, marketing year. I don't expect that much changes in the score this this late in the game. Um, but if you look at the if you look at the old crop U.S. numbers, there there were some changes here. Um, again, you've had the big the big ones before. We've you know from again from March to June, you'd had a half a million fewer bales of mill use and one and a half million fewer bales of exports. But in the July WASI, we saw kind of a tempering of that. We actually saw a bump up uh, by 200,000 bales of U.S. exports uh, month over month. So now we're at 15.2 million, and that went straight to the bottom line and lowered old crop. U.S. projected ending stocks from 7.3 to 7.1 million bales. So again, a helpful adjustment, neutral to helpful, and and the ending stocks levels though are still pretty pretty dang high historically, with bearish implications, uh, fundamentally. Um, in the new crop uh, uh, situation, um, of course, we have to consider both the uh, impacts on consumption and and probably the more immediate question, which is the production, the supply side of things. So beginning with acreage, we're talking U.S. here, we have a new acreage number coming from the June 30 acreage report. Um, that number was 12.2 million, which kind of jive with what we practice in the first quarter of the year, which suggests John, can, uh, you're breaking up, John. Sorry. So, still, still breaking up. We can't hear you. Okay. If you're on speaker, you may take that off. Might help. 
Sorry, we, we've got a really bad connection. We can hear about every third or fourth word. Okay. There you go. I'm very low. Let me move out here. Yeah, that's, we can hear you now. Okay. I've, I've discovered through sheltering and doing things at home that some parts of my house get better reception than others. Well, you're sounding good um, now. That's good. Okay, I'll keep going. So we've got 12.2 million acres planted. USDA took that number. They combined it with, I assume, historical uh, weighted regional average abandonment and yield. That would be about 16% abandonment, 820 pounds per acre average yield, and that gave us 7.5 million bale crop. That effectively cuts 2 million bales out of production month over month, which is a large adjustment. So that much fewer production, 200,000 bales, fewer bales of carry-in, and they lowered exports a million just to account for fewer exportable surpluses. The bottom line was a 1.8 million bale decrease in U.S. ending stocks, new crop ending stocks. So now we're sitting at just we're sitting at 6.8 million bales of ending stocks. All those adjustments were price supportive, but the level. I would still characterize as, as bearish. Uh, on the world side, for the new crop, there really weren't that many uh, changes in the world numbers compared to June. Um, frankly, the, the adjustments we saw in the U.S., that is the lower production, lower exports, lower ending stocks, that explained most of the changes that we saw in those same categories on the world side. World mill use was a little bit lower, but, I mean, it was 120,000 fewer bales of world consumption in July compared to June, so, I mean, not much, but that's a good sign. Um, all in all, I think there was more ink spilled and more tweeted opinions about the lack of revision in Indian stocks than anything else I read um, after the release of that report, so I'll let my colleagues chime in on other uh, significant uh, issues or aspects to uh, to the new crop world situation. Uh, so just looking ahead, over the next six weeks, you know, the market is going to focus, uh, continue to focus on weather and growing conditions. We all know it's been very, very hot and dry during the Southern Plains region. Um, that's been reflected in all the weekly regional summaries by folks out there. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of this extreme hot, dry uh, weather situation that's supposed to last at least into the middle of this week. Um, it's uh, got a lot of people's attention. It's got the attention of the hedge fund longs for the first time in a while. They've bumped up their long position. I assume it's because they, you know, they follow the weather reports too. And, you know, uh, doubtless we're going to have higher abandonment and, and some yield loss um, because of the, the experience that we're having right now in late July, and if it continues to have tough conditions into August, that's going to be influential. Um, so, you know, I think there's room, just to summarize, I think there's room to cut another million bales out of U.S. production, but if that happens, you know, number one, that'll cut into the export number, um, and whatever the U.S. Uh, production outcome is, we've got 7 million bales of carrion coming. So I, I think we're still going to be left with around six million, at least 6 million bales of ending stocks. 
And while that's not as bad as eight million, it's you know it's not it's not good. Um, so fundamentally, I think it's a recipe for ice futures to trade somewhere. Right now, I would say basically spend most of its time trading between the upper 50s and the upper 60s. I think we have a chance to you know get over 65 and get to 66 and maybe to 67. But that's all. That would be kind of the peak of this of this weather premium situation. I would expect that to happen over the next six weeks, and then I would expect it to start to fade away as we get more certain about the size of the U.S. crop. And, Pat, that'll, that'll do it for what I had prepared to say. Okay. Well, let's open it up for everybody's comments. Gerald, what are you thinking? Well, I'm... <clears throat> I'm thinking, yeah, we got seven million bales of carryover, but that doesn't mean it's not committed. I mean, you do have unship. You're going to have unshipped cotton as of uh, July 31st. So whatever's unshipped is certainly committed. Um, the uh, now, you know, offsetting that, we keep expecting to see some some big cancellations, and they haven't quite shown up yet. Um, the uh, so yeah. Seven million bales, that looks like a big number, but it's not like it's just sitting there free, you know, waiting to, to, to pound on the marketplace. Um, the, uh, you know, 17.5 to 16.5 million bale crop, I think that's pretty supportive. Um, you know, as much as I try to make it sound like the supplies aren't as big of a burden, you know, it's very difficult to, to move cotton right now. I mean, nobody, the, the mills have gone pretty quiet. And uh, I, I think they're waiting to work down their inventory somewhat before they, they come buying. The demand side of this market is just uh, seemingly pretty pathetic right now. And maybe it's just the summertime. Um, and, and, and it's getting exacerbated by, you know, all the other things that are going around the world. But uh, um, I think once we get into the fall, things could start to pick up a little bit away. Well, uh, Gerald, I, I'm just I, passing I the hot potato. As much okay. as we have 7 million bales in carryover, it doesn't mean they're not committed. I agree, but what's committed, a million and a three? Uh, I don't know, million five. So we still got five million bales uncommitted. Uh, so right. there are no cancellations. And that's a lot of carryover to go in with zero commitments. And plus not to get into what you already explained very well over the last couple of sessions that how much cotton is in foreign countries. So uh, that's a little negative to me. I'd hate to use the word bearish, but uh, I'll use it. It's what it is to me. It's a little bearish. Uh, uh, and if not, just with I'm use this number, it may not be correct, 5 million bells totally uncommitted. Uh, plus all that international cotton that we've never had to face before. It's just bearish for me. Granted, I like your 17.5 million bell estimate of your SDAs. I like John's comment, it could be a million bales less. I rent that I think it is 500,000 bales less. It's no bigger than a 17 million bale crop at best. 
Uh, so there's room to get some foolishness in there, but this this huge world carryover to me is just so very very depressing. And the, the big thing to me in the supply demand report, it wasn't so much the su- supply in this country and demand in this country and whatnot. It was the shipments and the movement, uh, the uh, the the. Uh, of the exports and imports between various countries and uh, Pakistan imports coming down and imports in consuming countries just everywhere across the board coming down. And so it was those adjustments to me that were the, the meat of this report. So, uh, yeah, I, this thing, this dead gun market's done with what I did not think it could do. It's come up here to 65 cents, wants to go to 66 cents, and it's just difficult for me to justify that, so i still got to think in terms of John's comment in back down into the high 50s, 57 cents or so, but uh, I'm all for uh, becoming a bull again. <laughs> but it's, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. I rambled too long. Uh, Kip, Kip, what are your thoughts? Well, I uh, I can't disagree with anything that's been said. I, I think that the the committed cotton, we're going to see one of the largest, uh, I think, export rollovers we've seen, maybe record, but it's going to be very, very large compared to history for, for exports. So that's going to help the new crop uh, export situation. However, um, I don't know if that's enough. And, and what we've avoided is the elephant in the room, I think, and that is the the mill demand, uh, which really translates into consumer demand in the world markets. And that, I think, is very, very much dependent on this. uh, uh, Gerald was very careful about saying the other things. I think we've got to talk about this pandemic and the impact on consumer demand. And I'm fearful that unless something changes dramatically, uh, we USDA uh, World Board may have overestimated mill use for the coming year, simply because, uh, as I say, it, the situation worldwide, particularly in the U.S., has changed uh, a little bit more negatively to that. And we've seen early evidence that consumers, when we got this. Uh, secondary spike here in cases they put their hands in their pockets again um so i'm concerned that we may be uh, although right now is the time of year to look at supply i i agree that we the weather forecast and the potential uh for crop loss in some key countries in the world is supportive in the near term to prices uh but I think, uh, to John's point, when we get a little bit more certainty about the supply side, I think everyone's mind will sort of turn to the demand side. It may not be as favorable as it appears today. That's the big concern I have for the market uh, going into the into the fall and the winter. So I want to be a supportive at the front end, and then later in the, towards the end of the marketing year, we're going to have to really watch closely uh, and hope in my mind, hope that the demand uh, can can remain strong. Well, let me let me bring up something for the group to comment on. Uh, some people think the 800-pound gorilla in the room are speculators, and uh, 
certainly some of the technicians follow uh, some of these indicators, and I know we've taken out everything, uh, even the 200-day moving average to the upside. So from a, from a technical standpoint, from anyone's interpretation of where speculators are right now, I mean, we know they can really move these markets up or down. Uh, what's the read on that? I think Gerald's well, Pat, I mean, yes, there's <laughs> kind of room for specs to come back to this market. They've done a little bit, uh, but they've done a drop in the bucket as far as money that they can put in this market. That being said, they've given us a five-cent increase. I don't think any increase we've had is anything but speculative increase. I don't think it's related to fundamentals at all. Uh, and while speculators historically love cotton, and while historically cotton has been very beneficial to speculators. So they're coming back to the well, but I think they're coming back to the well one time too often. I don't think and the market's at, going to perform for them. Either, but they're going to put more money in it. But uh, the trade's been a decent seller for them, and I think that the trade's going to just sit back let them sell all they want. God, excuse me. Uh, let them buy all they want to. Well, you know, if in you can take words, an electric... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll I was going to say, if you can take an electric car company that sells a fraction mm-hmm. of what the major car companies do, up to you know fifteen hundred bucks a share, you can do whatever you want to with cotton. That's that's for darn sure. I mean, there's plenty of crazy money out there, uh, n- n- no doubt about it. And and as always says, you know, if it wasn't for the speculators, we wouldn't be here right now. And uh, thank goodness, you know, it's giving growers a, an opportunity to do something that, that they didn't think po- was possible, you know, two months ago. Um, and uh, uh, and one reason it's been easy to run it up here is because growers have been, because of the worry over the size of the crop, they've been reluctant sellers, you know. So there hasn't been a lot of selling pressure to uh, to, to keep prices down. Um you know, can we get up to sixty-six cents? I, I think we can, for those reasons alone. And I, you know, there's probably some outside wild shot that maybe we go up to sixty-eight cents. But fundamentally, it just doesn't seem possible that we should even be here right now, with yeah. the size of the crop, with the size of the carryover, with the uh, um, with the lack of interest, if you will, in and, and mill buying. Um, and, you know, when we talk about this pent-up demand, and I think that there is a, a certain amount of that, um, but it seems like, you know, you can buy whatever you want to on the Internet at very, you know, cheap prices. So I, I know personally, you know, I've done a lot of shopping over the Internet at very cheap prices, even if all the stores were to open up tomorrow, there, there's nothing I really need to go to, need to go back into a retail establishment for right now. So, it's uh, um, as, as these retailers have been trying to clear out inventories, you know, in in, in the virtual world or or wherever they can. Um, I mean, some stores are some stores have reopened here. For example, in California, you can go back into retail stores. And, and uh, wear a mask, but uh, um, there aren't a lot of people out and about doing shopping right now, despite stores being open. 
at least here in this local community. I don't know how it is where, you know, everyone else is right now. That's kind of the way it appears in, in where I am in the Houston area. You know, this, this second, this is kind of going back to Kip's point, this, this second uh, wave of uh, infections and whatnot is kind of, it's made people more serious. I, I see more, you know, they're serious about wearing masks and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I agree with Kip, that may cut into USDA's rather robust uh, projection of, of recovery for the new crop uh, situation. As far as the specs are concerned, I'm looking at, you know, the Friday's report, we saw the managed money at 10.6% and the, the large spec at 7.5%. That gives them an awful lot of room. They are not anywhere near what you would call a, quote, extreme position on the long side. These, these folks have been up to over 30% net long. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying should they choose to be aggressive buyers, which they have not done yet. Uh, they've been, I won't say they're passive, but the, they just haven't shown a real aggressive uh, move. For If they decide to do that, and I think short term, uh, if they decide to do that, we can move prices a little quicker, uh, higher than, and it tends to come in spurts like that. And then, point to Gerald made, we're going to find a whole lot more farmers deciding it's a good time to sell. <laughs> And uh, it'll probably cap the market. Now, whether that's at 66 or 67 cents or 68 cents, I don't know. But there's a potential for a short-term, you know, sort of squirt if they decide to come to the market. I think I think where they are as of last Tuesday was it, it was the highest since about February. But yeah, you're right in terms of where they can go. Um, it's there's a lot of room for them to to add on. But the, you know, they've been influential in a low volume kind of kind of situation so well they could to be always more, but they're, they're fickle. Is, you know, I, but to always point which I think is a good one recent history suggests that the specs really like to be long cotton I mean uh, if you look you know over the last six or eight years they're not net short very often anymore and um, it's almost like uh, they're waiting to to get their opportunity to go long again I I don't mean to speak for our way, but I do agree with that point. Well, if, if you look at it, if you look at a graph of their position, every, every growing season, they're responsible for at least one big spike up, and and you know it's just it's it's just evident. I mean, they do it every year. Mm -hmm. This is the time. If you want to think of it that way, this is the time for them to do it right now. So it sounds well, like they've already done it. <laughs> yeah, supposed to do it now. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. Is you know, the, we're getting we're, we just passed one notice day. We're going what another uh, two months or less than that. Yeah, less than that before we get another first notice day. And uh, with this kind of activity we're having in the market now, it's just made for squeezes. So if they want to go long cotton, uh, they may have to take some at some very high prices, or well. or I mean, somebody's going to have to deliver cotton. In, it seems like the way the market is working now, uh, with physical not really following the market at all, somebody better be ready for delivery or to accept delivery. Well, it sounds like farmers should be prepared to take advantage of this, you know, if, if we do get right. these higher 60 levels, because for whatever reason, speculators are, are exaggerating the market. 
our listeners that are farmers are very interested in this because these markets that present this kind of opportunity, even though it might be a little bit of a bubble, they really need to be able to, to sell some cotton if we do get to these these exaggerated levels. So it, it, it sounds like upper 60s, you know, maybe it's high at 66, but, but, you know, maybe even a little higher than that is probably going to be sort of the top end of it. Uh, and, and I would assume everybody thinks farmers should really be considering doing some things if we do get up to that. Is that, is that a fair statement? I think that's very fair, Pat. Yes. I think we're all okay. in agreement there. Well, look, let's, we're going to open up and unmute the phones for our listeners. If you've got a question out there that you want to direct to our panel, do it. Now, we're going to open them up. It can get a little loud. So after, you know, after we do that and we get our questions, we'll probably uh, unmute them again. But let, let's go ahead and try, if, see if there are any questions out there. And you're, you're free just to speak because you'll be opened up. Any questions for our uh, any questions for our panel on cotton? Guys, do y'all see any type of bump coming this year with if we're able to produce really high quality grades compared to what we ended up with last year with as much junk cotton as there was on the market? Do you think there will be a premium for those high quality grades again this year? I think there will be. This is all. I think there will there there will be. I think we still have the market uh, for for quality. I think it's as strong as any. Uh, it's just that while there's not as much quality out there, there's not as much demand for any cotton out there. So that's why we're suffering a little bit right now. Plus, as we said, the uh, the uh, futures market has run up, but the cash market, the physical market, has not. The basis has given us a lot of trouble. But I think there'll be a lot of uh, demand for high quality cotton. Absolutely. If we look at where the cotton is, uh, you know, we've seen reduced acres in the mid south and the southeast. That's not the only place we have uh, we have high quality cotton. But I think we could get in a scenario where, particularly if the West Texas forecast is realized, the weather forecast, we may. Uh, I think it's a very good question. I do think we could get a squeeze for quality. I think that could be a big opportunity for for farmers to try to capitalize on that. You know, and and particularly to the point that the Chinese are trying to re, trying to rotate their stocks out. You know, selling off their old crop cotton and uh, and trying to and replacing it with with new crop uh, purchases from from the United States. You know, they're not they're not going for junk. They're going for you know thirty one. You know, cards, 31 cards and better, longer staple, 36, 37 minimum. And uh, so, yeah, there's uh, there's going to be a, a, an interesting rush for, for quality. All right. Any Anybody else out there listening have any other questions they want to direct to the panel? All right. No no questions. All no right, questions, but one comment. All right. Thank you all for putting this on whenever you all do. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Pat, I have a question for the panel. May I ask you? 
Yes. So, uh, I, I want to ask them at what specific level do I buy puts and what premium should I be willing to pay on deck? I'll ask all three of them. Okay. Uh, so any, anybody got any comments on that? Oh, wait, this is Gerald. You know, I, I think if you can get up close to that 65-cent level again, I definitely buy a you know, it, I'm a believer in buying a put that's as close to being at the money as possible within your budget. You know, right now, luckily, the, the implied volatilities are, are relatively cheap, you know, 20%, 21% or so. Um, but uh, so I, w- I would buy as much as your your budget would allow you to buy, but probably not spend over over two and a half cents for, for, for an option. But, uh, let me let me uh, let me mention this, Gerald, because I'm looking at the screen right now, just trying to see where at the money, uh, where at the money puts are. The market's trading right now at 63.38, and a 63 puts going for around. Well, it's last traded 278, so somewhere in that level, assuming we get to 65, and you can get the and you're looking at an at the money put, you, it'll be in that area. You know, anywhere from 250 to 300 points, I would think. Sorry. Any no, other no, comments? thank you, Pat. I pre- appreciate that. Any, I'm not going to disagree with that, with that strategy. I think, too, uh, I, I get a little – when I feel like the market is, is high enough like that, if we could get this thing to 67, 68 cents. Wouldn't, uh, if I were uh, – particularly if I were a farmer, I might be looking at selling a, uh, a call and then buying the puts. For part of my crop that isn't hedged yet, that way you can actually play the top end and and get a put on the downside. Because unless something changes on the demand side, I think that uh, I think that put's going to serve you well. All right. Uh, before I uh, mute the phones again for our listeners, any other questions for our speakers? Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Hey, this is Brad Pippington. Um, I've got a question which from everybody's opinion this morning. I guess they don't think there's much risk of this, but uh, for producers who lost their crop and their only income is going to be crop insurance, and then we thought maybe a PLC payment, um, is there? do they feel there's not a need to hedge that PLC payment in case the market goes to the upside? But the shorter crop is just the man sunk so bad that that's not even a reality in most of their minds right now. Yeah, we're going to get just, some positive market news based on if we continue to have crop problems and if West Texas or if the U.S. crop, uh, i.e. Texas, if the U.S. crop comes down another half million bales, as I think it will, or another million bales, as uh, other folks smarter than myself think it's going to come down. So there'll be some pressure to the upside. However, just the combination of international stocks will offset much of that pressure. Plus, as Kip mentioned, we hadn't really talked much about uh, consumption and uh while consumption is going to gradually improve, we've got some heavy hits coming from consumption because in another month, uh, you, not even U.S. consumers are going to have any money to spend. 
That's it. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a matter of considering the upward, the upward supportive effects are going to be here in the near term for the next, maybe through the October WASD, maybe. So I mean, it, I could see things moving higher until then, and then and then beginning the premium fades, and and then the demand stuff begins to weigh, and maybe the specs bail out, and so I I, I kind of see a time dynamic there that. Sorry. <laughs> we just were getting a lot of static. Sorry, John. No, sir. Any any other final thoughts here uh on uh on the on the cotton market? Okay, Pat Oley again. I I can't help but one, I love Gerald's comments about the put. Uh, I thought it that could be nothing better, and then Kip chipped in and said, that, uh, "Well, you might uh, certainly get up at those levels also. Think about selling a call." Uh, well, I love that too because uh, what that says in bottom line is is that uh, yeah, I just don't see any long-lasting ability in this market to stay above sixty-five, sixty-six cents. So selling that call is uh, it helps definitely to build up. Uh, defray the cost of the put somewhat so but you know all that just means that i'm not particularly happy and i'm not not skipping happy is not the word i'm not very optimistic at all that we can do much more than 65 cents if we can do 65 cents thank you i'll shut up okay any <laughs> any final um statements here thoughts all right well, let's, uh, thank you. All right, we let's just let's just wrap it up and and thank everybody for joining us today. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, to FiberMax and Stoneville, and also to Cotton Incorporated. Uh, thanks to uh, our panel for being with us today. Special thanks to John Robinson for uh, leading us. Uh, that concludes uh, this uh, July session of the Ag Market Network. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you.